Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, good morning. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to tell you how old I am. I didn't know what YOLO meant. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of you do. <laughs> so for those of you in the room, who doesn't know what YOLO means? All right, for all the old people, say what YOLO means. Right. So anyway, I had to ask after I saw the video. Also, this will tell you how old I am, too. I remember buying comic books for 25 cents. <laughs> it's bad when one person laughs in the sense that he knows how old I am. Listen, uh, so when I was seven or eight years old, this is probably late uh, 70s. So I was born in 68, m- mid 70s. And y'all going, man, this guy's old. I got furniture that was made in the 70s. But anyway, so I would ride my bike to the drugstore and I would buy the Spider-Man comic book. That was one of my favorite comic books. I, I grew up uh, reading Spider-Man. I also remember watching the, uh, the animated Spider-Man. Who remembers watching the Amazing Spider-Man? Again, all the old people. And um, we'd, it was in color, okay? It wasn't black and white. And they're like, what's black and white? I don't even know what black and white is. It was in color. And so I just remember watching Spider-Man. So when Tobey Maguire came out, I think it was 2004, uh, with the very first Spider-Man movie, you better believe that me and my oldest son, Jacob, who was eight at the time, we went to go see it. And you're probably thinking, you took an eight-year-old to see a PG? As a parent, I've done far worse things than that, okay? But we went and we saw Spider-Man. Now, there's one line in there that's the most memorable line. And even if you've not seen the movie, you've heard this. With great power comes great what? Great responsibility. Man, we we have heard that. I I think it's actually made its way. I'm so old. They've made the Spider-Man movies three different times. That's old I am. So I don't even feel like preaching anymore. I don't know if I can make it the whole service. I'm so old. But with great power comes great responsibility. As followers of Christ, you and I have this incredible responsibility. We, we saw it on, on the screen right here. Jesus is saying, hey, YOLO, you only live once, right? Say no to YOLO. Go tell everyone the good news about Jesus Christ. We have this great responsibility, but we also, because we have such a great responsibility, we do have a great power. We have this great power that, that is in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, why is this important? Because Jesus told the disciples who we are, followers of Jesus, to go tell the whole world. Now, preachers can say some strong things, and sometimes we, we'll say things like this. This is the most important thing I've ever said. Only two weeks later to go, you know what? This is the most important thing I'll ever say. Only to, and you know what? I, I remember this. Several weeks ago, I, I said this. Hey, a defining characteristic of Jesus. We are most like Jesus when we're forgiving others. And I believe that to be true. But then the next week I got up and said, you know, we're most like Jesus when we're serving others. And I believe that's true. Matter of fact, I believe both of those are true. If we're not forgiving others and we're not serving others, we need to examine our lives and say, are we really following Jesus? 
But I'm going to go ahead and make another statement, another thing we're most like Jesus. Man, we're most like Jesus when we're sharing the gospel. Jesus told, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. He's given us this ministry of reconciling man back to God, the one that he started. I do believe we are most like Jesus when, when we're sharing the gospel. But truth is, for Christians, we'll do a lot of Christian things. We'll do a lot of defining characteristics of Jesus before we'll, we'll share the gospel. Before we'll tell somebody about that, hey, you know what? There's forgiveness of sin in Jesus. Listen, he, he will wipe away all your sins. As far as the east is from the west, he'll separate them from you. You can be made right with God. You don't feel close to God, but you can be made right with God through faith in Jesus. Man, we, we will tell, we'll do a lot. It will serve. Man, we, we might forgive others. We'll read our Bible. We'll come to church. There's a lot of things we'll do before we'll tell somebody about how we came to Jesus and about how they can come to Jesus. So now why is that? I think, first of all, I think there's fear. There's that fear of doing it wrong. Man, if I do it wrong, they're going to hell forever. Or, or I fear of just not knowing. I don't know how to, how to do it, and I get that. And we've got resources online to help you with that. Or there's this fear. What if I tell them about how I came to faith in Jesus, and I, and I invite them to follow Jesus, and they go, eh, nah. I don't think so. Thank you. What if they say no? Then you know what we do? I have failed. I want to say this to you real quick. It's not up to us for people to receive Christ. It is up to us to share the good news that people can be made right with God through faith in Christ. We are, listen, you want to be successful in this? Just share. Jesus. Now, whether they say yes or no about following Jesus, whether they come to faith in Jesus, that's not up to us. Our responsibility is to share Jesus with others. Now, I think also, too, uh, it seems like an overwhelming task. It seems like an overwhelming task. So when I started uh, my college tour, if you've been here any long, you know I went to like four different colleges. But I started out at Clemson, and I had always worked. I had been working since I was like 11 years old, started cutting grass, and just always had money coming in until I went to Clemson. And all of a sudden, I don't have any money coming in. And I remember sitting in my dorm room thinking, there were 12,000 students there. I remember thinking, how can I get a dollar off each one of these students? <laughs> and I wasn't going to go sit outside with a bucket, hey, I need a dollar. You know, I wasn't going to do that. But I remember thinking, what could I sell? You know, and I was so naive. I was thinking I could sell Cokes or, you know, or paper and pens. That's not what they wanted. Um, but anyway, I, I didn't, I didn't end up not selling anything. I didn't I ended up not selling anything because it was just 12,000 students. How do you reach 12? It was just seemed like an overwhelming task. Think about the disciples. I want you to tell everyone about me. What do you mean everybody? Go tell the world. Go, go tell the world. Not, not, you know, he started, hey, Jerusalem, we'll talk about this in a minute. He goes, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the world. This is a day without Wi-Fi. I mean, you, you, I mean, that's hard to even think about. This is a day without Wi-Fi. This is a day without email. This is a day without Snapchat. This is a, a day without uh, cars. This is a day without cell phones. He's like, hey, you go tell the world. But he knew the disciples couldn't do it on their own. 
He knew that. He said, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verses uh, 1 through 5 of chapter 1. Now, this is a continuation. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. He wrote it to Theophilus, and now he's continuing this. He, he had the whole gospel story, Jesus' birth, and all the way to his death and resurrection, and now he's continuing. He said, in my first book, Gospel of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions to the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized you with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Even in today's world of incredible technology, we have all the available to us. At this moment, I could FaceTime a friend of mine in India. We cannot and will not share the gospel and reach the world in our own power. See, Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit through whom we would be able to share the gospel with the entire world. So the rest of this is about instructions he's, he's given them to get ready. In verse 6, he says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They're thinking differently. They're thinking locally. He says, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven. Can you imagine this scene? They've, they've never seen anything like this. And they're straining to see him. It says, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Who wouldn't be? <laughs> I'm just saying, he had to come and tell them, hey, why are you standing here? And this is what he says. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. First of all, this morning, our power is the Holy Spirit. The power that he's talking about to reach the, the ends of the earth is that Holy Spirit. You know, Spider-Man had this supernatural power, and, and most superheroes have this supernatural power. Listen, every follower of Christ has a supernatural power in us through the Holy Spirit. He doesn't give us more human power. He doesn't in increase our, our, our stamina or our determination or anything like that. He gives us divine power. He gives us power outside of ourselves. He gives us power of heaven. Now, some in church go, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's true. But you want it to be true. I, I know this about you. you. You want it to be true. Listen, we, we can't even follow Jesus in our own power. Man, you, you want it to be true. You get so frustrated with your own lives and you, you, you want to follow the Lord and you want to do uh, for the Lord what he's called you to do. Listen, I know this. You, you want it to be true. But then the question is like, which Holy Spirit are you talking about, Scott? You talking about the Baptist Holy Spirit? Or are you talking about the Methodist Holy Spirit? 
You're talking about the Presbyterian Holy Spirit? They're on the back row, by the way. And um, are, are you talking about the Episcopalian Holy Spirit? Are you talking about the Church of God Holy Spirit? Are you talking about the Pentecostal Holy Spirit? Are you talking about the Charismatic Church Holy Spirit? Are you talking about the Community Church Holy Spirit? Like, which Holy Spirit are you talking about? And then, are you talking about, like, tongues? Are you talking about healing? Are you talking about visions? Are you talking about passing out? Are you talking about running the aisles? Like, what, what are you talking about? It can be really confusing. And I'll say this about the church, and I've been in church, you know, you know I grew up in church, but for my life, feel like the church has done a really good job of making it confusing, of making the topic of the Holy Spirit confusing. And that topic of the Holy Spirit can make some people nervous. Because we don't have a good grasp on it. I've been around in church a long time, and so sometimes after a church service, somebody will walk up to me and go, man, that was a Holy Spirit-filled service right there. And automatically I go, what did we do different? What did we do, you know? And then I'm thinking, I didn't notice anything different than we did last week. But then I've been around and I've, I've sort of learned this. Some people think it's a Holy Spirit-filled, uh, Holy Spirit-filled church service when there are people running around and passing out. They, we've never done that here, but that's what some people define as a Holy Spirit-filled church service. Some people say a Holy Spirit-filled church service is when more than half the people are clapping to the same song. You laugh. Some people think it's when a lot of people are smiling in the room. Some people think it's this. It's when, the, all, when there's all music and very little preaching. That's a spirit-filled church service. Or it's just the opposite. They think it's a spirit-filled church service when there's one song in the beginning, about 50 minutes of preaching, and one song at the end. That's a spirit-filled church service. Amen. <laughs> well, I ain't got 50 minutes. Um, if, we, if all we did is listen to the experiences and opinions and people's thoughts on it, it is extremely confusing. Then this happens. People will choose a side. Well, you know, my grandmama said this over her Methodist church, and this is what it looked out. The guy went up front, they prayed over him, he passed out. I'm going I'm to believe that. Well, that scares me. I'm going to go the exact opposite. I'm going to go to, to the Baptist church. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. And they, were, they prayed over him. He walked away. I like that kind of Holy Spirit. Or, you know what? I went to this. Man, they were running the aisles. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. I, I believe that about the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is we just choose some kind of side. But then I have honestly had several people over the last 30 years tell me this. I choose not to think about it. I just choose not to think about it. It's confusing. And what we don't understand, we ignore. Isn't that true? A lot of times, you got some people that are, you know, they're, they're like type 5 Enneagrams. You know, they'll, they'll, just, they'll just research everything. But for the rest of us, we tend to ignore what we don't understand. I've had some people say, you know, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You do, you just don't know it yet. Because God is the Holy Spirit. I had somebody tell me at, uh, between services that the Holy Spirit is the Rodney Dangerfield of the Trinity. <laughs> that he gets, he gets no respect. So he asked me not to quote him, so I'm not. 
But because it's confusing, we, we tend not to think about it or we ignore it. But I'm telling you, if you say you believe in God and you believe in Jesus, you do believe in the Holy Spirit because they're one in three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So what we have to do when you've got so many different um, expressions and you've got people that have had different experiences, and I'm not denying experiences, you, you, and, and I had fun with talking about the different churches. Listen, you can make fun of me all day long and, and with good material, but the, we can't let people's opinions and experiences be our God. We're going to be walking, as we go through this series, Witness, we're going to be walking through the book of Acts for the next 12 weeks. So we've got to let Scripture be our God. We've got to let Scripture be our God as we walk through here. And why not experiences? Well, for instance, I've seen on television where people won the lottery and they, they passed out. And I don't think all of them are Christians. Someone go, I believe in God now. I, might, you know, I don't know if that's sincere. Talk, let's talk about tongues for a second. Christianity wasn't the first religion to say they spoke in tongues. That has happened in, in other religions. The scripture says that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So what power are we talking about? As we walk through Acts, you're going to see this. Everything that the Spirit did was to confirm the message of who Jesus Christ is and what He has done. Everything that the Spirit did was to confirm the message of Jesus. Man, the, the Apostle Paul, he prayed that you and I would know this power in, in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. He said, I, I pray that you'll know this incomparably great power for us who, who believe. Now, this is how he describes it. The power is the same as a mighty strength that it exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. He's saying that same power, the same power Luke's talking about in Acts is the same power Paul's praying that you and I would know this incredible power that raised Jesus from the dead. You know what, you know what as I'm putting that in my notes this past week, I'm, I just, you know what, I'm going to write this in my journal and I'm going to pray that I know this power. I, I want to know this power, and I'm praying that the church will know this power. And I want to challenge you, hey, pray this, man. Pray this for yourself and, and pray for the church. I'm not just talking about Eastridge, but for the, the church around the world that will know this incredibly great power that raised Christ from the dead. We'll know it personally, and we'll know it collectively. This divine power, that is our great gift. And it does come with a great responsibility because we have a mission we have we have a mission our, and our mission is is the gospel we're, we're supposed to do this with with power we're to, we're to share the gospel with with power now what does that look like well first of all we're witnesses now a witness is, is a legal term that's somebody that has seen something or experienced something and they can testify to it you have experienced the grace of jesus christ you have experienced the forgiveness of sin. You have experienced being made right with God through faith in Jesus. And you and I are to testify to that. That is our mission. But you know what? We saw disciples. And, and, and if you read later on about what happened to the disciples, remember this? They were locked up in a room. They were scared to death. 
of, of what might happen to them. The same thing that happened to Jesus could happen to them. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And what you're going to see is, man, that door flew open. And all of a sudden, the very people they were afraid of are the ones they were preaching to, testifying to, being a, a witness to. What happened? Last Sunday, um, we talked a little bit about that. And I told you that I grew up in church. I mean, I, I, grew, uh, I mean, I grew up in church. We just lived like, we walked to church. We were just around the corner. I, many afternoons, I was playing at the church. I grew up in church. I, listen, I, know every, I knew where every popular hymn in the hymnal was. And you know what? I knew most of all four stanzas of some of those hymns. Uh, listen, I knew them. I was the crucifer. Uh, of the church in the sense that uh, I grew up Methodist. And so before the service started, before the preacher walked in, somebody would carry the cross into the service and put it in its place. And so I got to do that with well, two lesser guys just lit the candles, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, but listen, I'll be honest with you. If you I'll be honest with you. There was never a Sunday that I wasn't scared to death to do that. I was nervous as I'll get out. And it wasn't because I was wearing a white dress either. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I was just nervous. You know, but we would walk in, and then I would turn, and then I'd go up the steps, place it in place, stand beside it for a second till the preacher got in place, and then I would go sit down. I grew up in church. I probably, I probably have heard more sermons or close, or close to as many that's in this room. But if you'd have told me my senior high school that one day Scott Moore would be up in front of people or, or just telling people about Jesus. I don't know if you remember me saying this. Like, I went, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm, I, that was no exaggeration. There was no way I was going to do that because I just wasn't going to do it. Well, then I met this guy, and he, we played tennis together. He's older than me. And, um, man, I just noticed he was a Christian. And, man, he was just, like, joyful. And, he had, and then, listen, he would talk about Jesus. And I'm like, man, we're Christians. We don't talk about Jesus. What are you doing, man? That's weird. So uncomfortable. But man, I just saw this joy and this boldness, and he didn't have his life together. I mean, I, I saw his imperfections and everything. But man, one thing he knew is that he knew that he was saved, and he knew he had a mission to tell other people about Jesus. Best thing that ever happened was, I was sitting at his kitchen table. He was doing the dishes. And he says, God, I want you to read this. And so he took me through Romans. And, and I'm, he said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I knew I was a sinner, but I grew up in church. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And then if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And then he had me read John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. But then he said, Scott, don't say the world, say Scott, for God so loved Scott. And then he said, do you believe, Scott? I'm going to tell you what happened. At that kitchen table, him doing the dishes, there's a Barbie doll laying in front of me. I don't know why, but sitting right there. And I bowed my head and I confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And here's what happened. 
I was filled with the Spirit. And he's like, Scott, how do you know that? Well, did I speak in tongues? No. Did I start running around his kitchen? No. And I'm not, listen, that's some people's experiences. Did, did I uh, pass out? No. Did I start preaching? No, I knew nothing. All of a sudden, there was a boldness in me. All of a sudden, I wanted to tell other people about Jesus. I was working for Coca-Cola. I was in training to be a salesman for Coca-Cola. And all of a sudden, these guys that I'm riding with, that I knew and I loved them, they were the funniest people in the world. I'm telling them about Jesus. I'm inviting them to church. I'm like, who am I? What has happened? I wanted them to know about Jesus. I had a mission. Now, why was that my mission? Because I was one day I was going to be a pastor, and I was working for Coca-Cola at the time. I still had no plans to be a pastor. I was just working for Coca-Cola. It was my mission. You know why it was my mission? Because it's the church's mission. When I say church, I don't mean organized church. I mean followers of Jesus' church. Is the church's mission. Now, sometimes church will make everything the mission but telling people about Jesus. And there's a lot of good things we can do. Service projects in the name of Jesus, yes. And, and we can go and feed, yes. And we can have programs here at the church, yes. But at some point, it all needs to point to Jesus and telling people about Jesus. It's the church's mission. It's our mission. Again, you saw the disciples, once they received the Holy Spirit, they went from fear to power. They went from fear to boldness. They went from hiding from people to telling people about Jesus. That power replaced their fear with boldness. And they knew their audience. Their audience was Jerusalem. They knew their audience. We've got to know our audience. Fridays, or Tracy and I, we, that's our date day, Friday. That's our, uh, that's our date day. Um, our two little ones in special needs, they're in school. We love school, by the way. So anyway, uh, so Friday's our date day. And so depending on where we're going, depending on what time we leave the house, you know. And so this particular day, we're in Conyers. And I go, wow, Scott, you are, anyway, that's where we went. And we went to Mellow Mushroom. She chose it, by the way. So, all right, so don't, so give, me, give me some slack. She chose Mellow Mushroom. Well, we walked in. We sat down and Journey started playing. Man, it was all, don't stop believing. Listen, you think a song would get old? That song's never going to get old. And then after that, man, Glass Tiger came on with Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone. And man, I'm going to tell you what, I'm like, <laughs> it was a magical moment, people. It was magical. And then I can't even remember the third song. Now I'm sort of lost in euphoria. And, um, and it was just great. I, I remember saying to her, I said, you know what? They know their audience. Man, they know their audience. 50-year-olds, <laughs> that's their audience. But man, it's, they know their audience. Our audience is everyone. That's our audience. Everyone. That's our audience. The gospel begins spreading close to home, then to the world. Starts in Covington. I'm going to a little closer to home than that, but it starts in Covington or Madison or Rutledge, wherever you may live. It goes to, to the county, goes to the state, it goes around the world. Our audience is everyone. And they they left that room in power. 
power they didn't have before. All they had before was fear, knowledge, and experience with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. But man, now they had the Holy Spirit and they had power and they were facing their fears and telling people about Jesus. It started small and then 3,000 people got saved. And eventually up to 200,000, I believe, got saved in that town, in a town of 2 million people. So you can be like them, and you can share. You can share with one, just one, and be part of a worldwide revolution that started on that day at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed in the power of the Spirit. You can start with one. Now, here's what I know is probably happening, because this happened first service. Some of you have questioned your own salvation. Okay? And I'll be glad to talk to you at the end of the service. But maybe somebody has come to mind that you can share with. See, I, I shared my story with somebody just a couple of weeks ago. I sat down and, man, I, I told them how I grew up. And then I walked through the scriptures of how I came to faith in Jesus. And I asked them, hey, what about you? Where are you? I said, you know what? Let me think on it. I said, no, man, you're going to. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I ended up buying lunch, though. I know that. And you know what? I'm, I'm scheduling to meet with another guy that the Spirit has put on my, my mind here in a few weeks that I think lives in Greene County or Morgan County or somewhere. And you know why I'm doing it? It's my mission. But God has given me a love for people that I barely know. And you talk about power. Listen, y'all, you know where I want to be right now? I want to be at home with my family. That's where my flesh wants to be right now. But the spirit in me wants me up here challenging you to tell one. And wants me to meet with people. I'm so shy. Wants me to meet with people I barely know so I can tell them about the one. So, who's your one? Who is the spirit put on your heart? And how do we do this? First of all, you rely on the Spirit. You rely on the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this on your own, and you weren't meant to. You weren't meant to. So you rely on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's as simple as this. Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm trusting you're with me. I'm going to share. I'm uncomfortable. I'm nervous. You just rely on me. But I'll tell you this. You need to be in the Scriptures. Because the scriptures remind you of who you are. You remind you of the work of Christ. Reminds you of the mission that you live for. Man, you need to be in prayer, just pouring your heart out to the Lord and hearing from the Lord. You need to be praying that he'll open up your eyes and your hearts to, to how you can serve him and how you can share him. And then you got to ask for strength and boldness. And we're going to see the disciples doing that as we walk through this series. So you rely on the Holy Spirit. And then again, you start with one. You start with one. 
And it may be as simple as those in your household. Just one. Just one. Who in your family? Maybe it's extended family, but just one. Maybe it's one coworker. Maybe it's, it's one golfing buddy. Maybe it's one hunting buddy. But you start with, with one. There are 90,000 people in Newton County, and it may be greater than that because we've been using that term for a while. And 90,000 people in Newton County. Then I want you to think about the counties surrounding us. You've got Morgan County and Jasper County, Walton County, Rockdale County, Buds County, Henry County. And then you've got our online community. There are hundreds of thousands of people in our reach. But we start with one. He wants us to reach every one. We start with one. Then one more. Then one more. At some point... If you're a believer in Jesus, someone shared the gospel with you. They shared the gospel with you so that you would know the joy of the forgiveness of sins and be made right with God through faith in Jesus. But they also shared the gospel with you so that one day you would share it with others. At least one more. This is why you Exist. This is your mission. This is your calling. This is your responsibility. And you have a great power to make it happen. Stand with me. Father God, you sent your son Jesus. You sacrificed your son Jesus. Father, for that whoever would believe in him. Father, that would confess him as Lord and Savior. Father, that would repent of sin and follow him. Father, you gave the right for them to become children of God. And Father, Jesus died so that we could be made right. And Father, somewhere along the way, so many people shared the gospel that it came to us. And Father, we place our faith in you. So Lord, now I pray, Lord, that you would help us to reach one. That Father, each one of us would reach one. And Father, I pray for greater power. I pray, Father, for for boldness. And Father, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, you have been empowered. uh, I want you to be bold, and let's reach one. Y'all have a great week. See you next week. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.